Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. Potential is everywhere in the Choctaw people. It's in our schools and students. It's in our small businesses and entrepreneurs. Potential is in our lifestyle and health. It's in our culture and heritage. Passion and commitment is in our blood. Ingenuity and economy are a tradition. And the Chutla Foundation was founded for this potential. To cultivate minds and hearts, to stimulate ideas and passions, to extend lives and improve health through education, and to preserve and promote the power of our past. The Chatha Foundation, meeting the potential of the Choctaw people. Okay, y'all, this is an episode you do not want to miss. I am literally sitting here in the Jim Thorpe home right now in Yale, Oklahoma. I've been an admirer of Thorpe's for many years, and this, you know, it really is such a cool experience. My guest today is Ashley Scott, who is my tour guide here, and I do believe she's even more passionate than I am about this Native American athlete. Jim Thorpe is known as the Native American superhero of sports. Okay, superhero is my own description, but I think it's pretty fitting, who in 1912 won the decathlon and the pentathlon, I can hardly say that word, at the Stockholm Olympics. But that's not all. Many have seen the photo of him wearing two different shoes. He did all this while winning like a boss, even after some scumbag competitor stole his shoes. And he was required to wear shoes in the Olympics, so he was able to borrow one shoe and the other he found in a trash can. And still, he won. Yep, like I said, total superhero. Ashley, thank you for welcoming me here into the Jim Thorpe home. There's so much to this man's story, from his heartbreaking early life in Native American boarding schools to his defying all odds and succeeding in the Olympics and multiple sports, to even in his death, his body being fought over. Thanks for being here. I'm so proud to represent this great superhero, as you stated. Uh, Before we walk through all of Jim's exciting accomplishments, why don't you tell me about his early life? Jim was born in a one-room cabin to Hiram and Charlotte Thorpe in Indian Territory near Prague, Oklahoma, on May 22, 1887. He was Native American, Sacken Fox, and his native name was Wathahuk, meaning Bright Path. It is said that his mother was a descendant of Black Hawk, the last great chief of Sacken Fox. Wow. Now, many folks don't realize that Jim also had a twin brother, correct? Yes, that's correct. And he and his twin, Charlie, went to Sacken Fox Indian Agency School. Sadly, Charlie caught smallpox at nine years old. Jim sat at Charlie's bedside until he passed away. Oh, wow. Such a good twin brother. 
So typical of the Indian boarding schools at the time, too. Uh, Jim believed that Charlie transferred his strength to him before he died, and Jim always felt Charlie's presence with him. I can't even imagine, you know, how painful this must have been for Jim. In 1898, Jim then went on to Haskell Institute in Kansas, which was an Indian vocational school. And at age 14, Jim hears that his mother, whose name was Charlotte, she was Potawatomi, she was ill, but the school wouldn't let him go to her, so he ran away, correct? Yes, that's correct. He got news that his mother was sick with blood poisoning from childbirth. The school wouldn't give him permission to go home, but he went anyway. He walked home 300 miles that time. Wow. So in 1900, he's back home to help with the family farm, and then in April 1904, he is officially deemed an orphan when his father dies of gangrene poisoning from an injury while hunting. He once again went to Pennsylvania to attend Carlisle Indian Industrial School to play for Glenn Pop Warner. Pop realized Jim was incredible at both football and track. In 1908, he won gold medals, six out of seven, at a track meet. Then he left for two years and played semi-professional baseball, but came back to Carlisle to play football. So is there anything our superhero can't do? I mean, even despite the loss of his twin brother and his mother and father. Right? What's crazy is that Pop and Jim eventually co-founded what's now known as the NFL. That's definitely a fact I did not know. It's amazing. So then he goes on to be qualified for the Olympic Games in Stockholm, Sweden in 1912. And something that sticks out to me is that he didn't have wealth. He wasn't at the Ivy Leagues. He was Native American. And honestly, he had everything weighted against him. And yet he absolutely crushed it. The decathlon consists of 10 sports, 100-meter dash, 110-meter hurdles, 400-meter run, 15-meter run, pole vault, high jump, long jump, javelin, shot put, and discus. Then the pentathlon consists of five sports, fencing, shooting, swimming, equestrian riding, and cross-country running. And he won the gold medal in both. He won first place in eight sports, third place in five sports, and then fourth place in two sports. Wowza. He was the only person to win those two extremely grueling track events. Even the Tsar of Russia and the King of Sweden took note and gave him gifts. And again, he had that whole shoe burglar scenario I talked about earlier. Tell us more about that. When his shoes were stolen right before time to compete, he had to come up with some quickly. He found two mismatched shoes, and they were two different sizes, so he had to stuff socks in one of them so they would fit. Oh, my gosh. So did they ever catch the person who stole the shoes? Not that I know of. (laughs) Wow. So as exciting as all this was, six months later, in 1913, he was disqualified by the Olympics as an amateur athlete. Someone had disclosed that at one time he played semi-professional baseball. I bet the whistleblower was the same dude that stole his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he was stripped of his Olympic medals, and they removed his records from the books. But in 1983, the Olympic Committee reinstated his records and gave copies of his medals to his family. Wow. Just wow. Now, unfortunately, his awards were returned after his death in 1953, so he didn't get to experience that that success. Okay, the Olympics stripped him of his medals in 1913, which was the same year he married his wife, Iva Miller. Tell me how he and Iva met. Jim met Iva while both were attending Carlisle Indian School. So they met at Carlisle and later married in 1913. And then in 1917, they bought this home in Yale, Oklahoma, the home we're sitting in right now. And what's interesting is that it's a Montgomery Ward home. And I even spent my own first couple of years of life in a Sears home in Anadarko, Oklahoma. So for anyone who hasn't heard much about such homes, the Montgomery Ward Catalog Kit Home, also called a Wardway Kit Home, was basically just how it sounds. Kits that you could buy 
from a catalog. Crazy stuff. This home looks like a bungalow and has hardwood floors. And in this case, the Thorpes had an indoor bathroom, running water, and a gas hookup. You can check out photos of the Jim Thorpe home on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. And also, please be sure to check out the Jim Thorpe home on Facebook, too. So tell us more about their children. When they moved to Yale, they already had Jim Jr. and another baby on the way. In 1918, Jim Jr. passed away from the Spanish flu. Altogether, they had four children, Jim Jr., Grace, Charlotte, and Gail. The girls, like their mother, were involved with the Jim Thorpe Home Project starting in the 70s. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. All four children and Iva are buried in Cushing. It's just in the next town. I actually went and saw their, their graves after that, and I did find the, yeah. you know, you had told me that there was a lamb yeah. at the top of mm-hmm. the, the grave. That really helped us yeah. to find it. It does help to find yeah. it. So if anyone would like to visit those graves and pay their respects, there's a cemetery in Cushing, Oklahoma called Harrell Cemetery. And like Ashley said, there's a couple of gravestones out there that have lambs on them. So look for the lambs on top of the graves and you'll eventually find uh, little James is his name, right? Mm -hmm. And I also read that he actually died in Jim Thorpe's arms, which is so sad. So rough. So, next up, Iva files for divorce, claiming desertion in 1925. What happened next? Jim marries in 1926 to the secretary of the manager of the baseball team that Jim was playing for. Scandalous. Her name was Frida Verona Kirkpatrick. He was in his late 30s, and she was 19 years old. Also scandalous. They had four sons and divorced after 15 years in 1941. Then he marries Patricia Gladys Askew in 1945. Ashley and I are both looking at each other, so we really are not big fans of this lady. Nope. Now, listeners, remember this chick, Patricia, because we're going to come back to her in a bit. Let's get back to Jim's first love, sports. After the Olympic Games, Jim played for the New York Giants, Cincinnati Reds, and Boston Braves. He played for six seasons, and he batted .252 in 289 games. Other cool facts, he won the decathlon of the Olympics with 8,146 points. I believe the current highest score is 9,126 points by Kevin Mayer of France. While playing football, Jim also rushed 191 times for 1,869 yards. In 1911, while playing for Carlisle, Jim scored all the points with four field goals and a touchdown in 18-15 upset of Harvard. The Associated Press named Jim the greatest American football player for the first half of the century. In 1999, they also listed the top three athletes of the century as Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, and Jim Thorpe. Thorpe was also ranked by ESPN as the seventh best North American athlete of the century. He played or coached in three sports in 1927. One of Thorpe's teammates once described him as an oak tree doing 100 yards in 10 seconds. Jim became the first president of the Professional Football League, and he's a member of Halls of Fame for both pro and college sports. Wow. However, even superheroes have to take off their capes on occasion. You see, Jim struggled with an addiction to alcohol. But think about all he went through, going into a boarding school at a young age, the loss of his twin brother, even just being a Native American in a time when racism was highly prevalent. He was orphaned while still a teen. He lost his firstborn son in his arms. He went through three marriages, and not even to mention the pressure of being a top-performing athlete. In 1928, Jim plays one final game on Thanksgiving Day against the Chicago Cardinals, which marks the end of his football career. He then found work as a movie extra, a lecturer, a laborer, and even a security guard with the Ford Motor Company. And he did a short stint as a merchant marine in 1945. In 2010, Bob Green, a writer for CNN, penned an article titled, 
Tortured Life of World's Greatest Athlete, in which he shares about an interview he conducted with Jim's daughter, Grace. Grace stated, When Dad was too old to play sports anymore, he had to make a living. He had no money. There were no pension benefits or anything. He didn't know quite what to do. When he was in his 40s, he took a job out of California digging ditches. He didn't say much about that to me. He dug ditches because he had to make a buck. Bob writes, Once hailed by kings and presidents for his athletic skills, Thorpe's life became an almost constant struggle. She sensed his quiet sorrow about his medals being taken from him. I think he was bitter, but I don't really know, because he didn't talk much about it himself, good or bad. Grace talks about how one time she had to drop her dad off at the bus stop. Years before, when he needed money, Dad had sold the rights to make a movie of his life to Warner Brothers. He'd only been paid $1,500 for it. In 1951, Dad was 63 years old, and the movie had finally been made and had just come out. It starred Burt Lancaster playing my dad, and it was showing at the Pearl River Theater that day. So Dad was standing underneath the marquee, and the marquee had the title on it, Jim Thorpe, All-American. I dropped him at the bus stop, and I looked back, and there he was. Dad was wearing his old suede jacket and a broad-brimmed hat, and he was carrying the same old suitcase he always carried. He was standing there kind of quiet, just waiting for the bus. I mentioned that Jim married Patricia Gladys Askew in 1945. She was a nightclub singer and also an alcoholic. Perhaps it was her addiction guiding her when she acted out her reputation as a cruel and manipulative woman. March 28, 1953, Jim Thorpe died at the age of 65. Ashley, tell us the details around his death. While married to his third wife, Patricia, and living in Lomita, California, Jim suffered his third heart attack and passed away shortly after. Wow. It's just, it's so hard for us to talk about this because, you know, he, he was such a hero, but he also lived, you know, a pretty rough life. And what has followed has been a continuous battle. Tell us more about what happened after his death. So his body was brought from California to Oklahoma. They were having a Sack and Fox service near Stroud, which is the capital of Sack and Fox Nation. Right. Patricia showed up with authorities during the service and had his remains moved and stored while she decided what to do. I was reading that it was actually quite the dramatic event. Like, she runs in and people are like, no, don't do this. And they're like, in the service, in the yes. middle. And dramatic on top of is a it, good word. Right. And it's a Native American service. I mean, those are very sacred and there's a whole process. They take to it multiple and, days. Yeah. And can't even she imagine. just shows up with court orders, deputies, and does her thing. Wow. And multiple people said that, you know, she really was kind of annoyed by the whole Native American traditions and just didn't have any regard for, for that at right. all. Right. Anyway, go ahead. The state wouldn't pay for an expensive $25,000 memorial, so she started talking to Carlisle, but they said her monetary demands were too much. His remains were shipped to Pennsylvania when she heard of the towns of Muckchunk and Muckchunk East. They were rivals, but also looking for a way to attract business. She made a deal with the officials there for money. Wow, Trump, so sorry to interrupt you, but okay. now we know kind of what her reasoning was. I mean, it, it's at least implied. You know, we don't have proof of everything, right? But it's just implied. Sounds that, like a business deal. Right? Kind of exploiting her dead husband. So sad. Okay, go ahead. Well, she made a deal with the officials there for money, and Muckchunk and Muckchunk East bought Thorpe's remains and merged the towns. They renamed themselves to Jim Thorpe. He had never been to these towns. Wow. He had no connection to these towns. They erected a monument to him. Okay. People sometimes think Patricia moved him to Pennsylvania because of his time at Carlisle, but this place is nowhere near Carlisle. 
crazy. Jim's children had various thoughts about the situation. In 2010, one of the sons, Jack, sued the town citing the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, which requires returning any Native American remains and sacred objects. The court battle continued, and Jack died at age 73 of cancer. So his brothers, Bill and Richard, joined the lawsuit, along with the Sac and Fox tribe. In 2013, the court ruled in favor of Jim Thorpe's sons and the tribe. However, the town appealed the decision, and in 2014, they overturned the ruling. So Bill and Richard appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, but in 2015, the court rejected the case. Wow. And, and you know, what's interesting is the town has fought for the rights to keep Jim Thorpe's body... However, the tomb is in repair, and in 1982, a city leader was quoted in Sports Illustrated as saying, All we got here is a dead Indian. So infuriating. When I was researching this and talking to you, I just, I couldn't believe it. It's like, what's the purpose of keeping that body? And, and do you know if the, the other two sons are still alive today? All of his children have passed away. Wow. They never got to see justice for their father's body, which I'm sure is devastating. On Jim's father's deathbed, Hiram Thorpe said to his son, Son, you're an Indian. I want you to show other races what an Indian can do. Hiram's words were well received, and Jim went well above and beyond to prove this native could do what no other athlete had done before. Jim, you will always be a superhero to me and to Ashley. Regardless of where your body was placed, may you forever rest in peace. Dear listeners, I hope you will pay tribute to Jim and come to see this house where he lived and learn more about his life. The Jim Thorpe home is located at 706 East Boston in Yale, Oklahoma. And what are your hours, Ashley? We're open Friday and Saturday, 10 to 5, and Sundays, 1 to 5. We'll be here to share more about this great man and athlete. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Jim Thorpe home. Perfect. And I'll be sure to post photos of my time with Ashley and of this lovely home, which is now a memorial to the great Jim Thorpe on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. Yakoki, Ashley. Thank you. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning. Small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success because together we're more. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.